Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the service academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Sammy Blea, a 2011 graduate from the U.S. Naval Academy. In this episode, you'll hear all about how Sammy navigated the shock of moving from a tight-knit family in a rural mountain town in Colorado all the way across the country to the distant East Coast city of Annapolis, Maryland. How she managed hearing the devastating news while at the academy that her mom had cancer and how she's been able to reframe her many ups and downs into a form of personal resiliency instead of viewing her time at the academy as one of pure survival. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Sammy. Hey, thanks. I'm so glad I got the opportunity to do this and that this worked out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Can you tell everyone where you're from and what school you went to and when you graduated? Sure. I I was born and raised um, in a small town in Colorado um, by the name of Rifle. I graduated from the United States Naval Academy in 2011. Nice. Um, Okay, so to start, can you give everyone one to two lines about who you are today? Sure. I am an active duty surface warfare officer turned information professional, um, and I have just completed a global support assignment of 13 months in Baghdad, Iraq, and am hopefully going to report to my next command um, here in the next couple weeks as my uh, fourth tour. Well, there's definitely a lot between you going to the service academy and that part, so we'll Let's back up and start, start <laughs> yes, from <ma'am>. the beginning. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's go back to the beginning. Uh, okay. When you were deciding where to go to college, um, what made you choose a service academy? And what made you specifically choose the United States Naval Academy? Uh, so in high school, um, being from a small town um, in rural Colorado, uh, mom and dad had, um, had given both my sister and I an option. They said, you know, sending you both to school full-time is going to be really, it's going to be financially difficult and, you know, we'll go after scholarships, we'll go after grants, whatever we need to do to get you guys through. But, um, we'll, we'll send you to community college to get some, um, some of your courses out of the way. And then that helps jumpstart and take off the financial burden. So, um, it was right before junior year, I took the ASVABs, um, a couple weeks later, uh, the army called and we said, Nope, we're, we're not interested. The Air Force called. I said, I am absolutely not interested. And then the Navy called. And, um, you know, I was sitting on the phone with the recruiter, and they were talking about some of the things that I might qualify for based on my scores. And they had mentioned nuclear propulsion. And my dad pipes up from the kitchen and says, well, if you can get her an appointment to the Naval Academy, you know, we'll listen to what you have to say. And I was like, Dad, I don't even know what that is. Like, I was so confused. I mean, you know, next thing I know, found myself at MEPS uh, enlisting in the Navy for um, nuclear propulsion program. Um, So that was right between my junior and senior year high school. So at that point, I knew that I was locked and loaded, ready to go to the Navy. Just it was something that felt really right. Um, I am the first uh, grandchild in my family to go military. My grandfather was a fire controlman during World War II as the only New Mexico native on USS Santa Fe, which is kind of cool. Um, but past that, really no military experience in our family whatsoever. Um, I was also, you know, right before that, I wanted to be a doc. I wanted to go into pediatrics. Uh, I really, really wanted to get into a good med program, was looking at Creighton, looking at Johns Hopkins with some of my um, academic advisors from the local community college when I was working on my associates. Um, but then this Navy thing just kind of like fell into place. 
that was also the summer that the movie Annapolis came out. So ah. <laughs> mom and I had rented it, um, you know, one weekend. Uh, we were just sitting, you know, kind of, you know, watching this movie and this whole thing play out. And I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and she's like, well, you're already going Navy. She goes, why don't, why don't you just throw your application in? And she goes, I will never tell a soul to include your dad if you apply and, and you don't even make it past Canada application. She goes, what's the worst that's going to happen? They say no. So <laughs> threw my application in. Next day we get an email that said, you know, congratulations as a candidate. And my mom and I look at each other like, oh, what have we done? Um, and then, you know, we started going through this whole process, you know, talking to my recruiter, letting him know, hey, there's a very small chance um, that, that this could happen. He goes, not a big deal. He goes, you're going Navy anyways. He goes, that's the best thing that I can, you know, ask for. So um, we just started jumping through more and more hoops. And um, we started to realize really quickly that there was a much greater possibility of me getting in, especially after I got my congressional nominations. Um, and then I got my acceptance letter. Uh, you know, in February of that year, and and I got in. Um, so it was just, it was one of these things that it felt right in the moment. And, you know, the stars, I think, really aligned. And I'm a firm believer things happen for a reason. And, and I'm really glad that um, I decided to go Navy. Ooh, that like snowballed, huh? <laughs> it, did. <laughs> it, it absolutely did. It was, it was, it was chaotic couple months. Here I was thrown into the spotlight um, in our hometown of, you know, one of the, the, the first female from my hometown to even be considered for the, for a service academy, much less Navy. So wow. it, um, so yeah, it was, it was senior year of high school was, was very different for me than I think it was for a lot of people. And, um, different in what ways, how did it impact you? Like, when did you find out you got in? Um, so I had, I got my, my applications all the way submitted. Um, that was around Thanksgiving timeframe of senior year. And I was in, I was just in my last couple of courses to finish out my associate's degree before I graduated high school. So I was already, you know, doubling down on academics. We were trying to figure out, you know, what was going to be the best way for me to get in better shape for boot camp if I didn't get into the academy versus if I did get into the academy, I really needed to be in um, some decent shape. So, you know, we were doing indoor track practice during the winter time frame and um, so we were just, we were just busy, um, really, really busy, heads on swivels, you know, mom staying up until all hours of the night, you know, rechecking homework and, you know, proofreading papers and doing every math problem in the book to make sure that my grades were high enough, you know, for community college, even though I could have graduated high school a little bit earlier, I decided to stick it out, stay in. Newspapers are calling, you know, for interviews and things like that. Um, so it was, it was a little intense. It was, uh, I really kind of felt like, gosh, I'm in the spotlight. What happens if I don't get in? And then yeah. I have to tell all these people I didn't make it. Um, mm. So that was really kind of like the first amount of real pressure that I kind of felt on myself to, I have to perform and I have to succeed at this. Like there's no room for failure. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love how it seems like your, your mom and your family were like all in supporting you to get to this goal. That's what it sounds like. Oh no, they absolutely. I had, when my mom was alive, she was my biggest cheerleader and God bless my dad. He was, he would, he just beamed. He beamed with excitement that we were even considering any of this. You know, we had really good neighbors next door. Um, they were an army family. Um, so we had a little bit of exposure of what the military lifestyle could look like. Um, you know, he deployed numerous times to Afghanistan and Iraq. They were cheering me on. I was getting letters from the Middle East saying, hey, Sammy, you know, just giving you a little bit more encouragement. Keep your head up. Keep running. 
um, that mm. sort of thing. And so we, you know, we had a huge support group yeah. um, in town and I'm really thankful for that. Cause I know for some people that doesn't exist, which is really mm. unfortunate. This is so interesting. So, cause you're in Colorado at this point and, um, you know, the air force Academy is just right down the road. Um, it's just interesting to hear that, um, it didn't even really cross your mind to apply to the, any of the other academies. Normally you hear like, oh, I was interested in, in a federal service academy. So then I explored all my options, but you're like, I chose Navy and then I chose the Naval Academy and it was kind of this whirlwind. Yeah, no, it definitely was. It, so in, in Colorado, we there was a lot of um, really bad press about the Air Force Academy, in all honesty, um, growing up. And we had gone to a couple of Air Force Academy football games. But it just, even being on an incredibly beautiful campus, um, it just, it never felt like that was me. And so when, you know, when Navy started becoming more and more of a realization for me, I really just kind of felt like, you know what, this is, this is it. This is, it just feels right. So, um, and I actually ended up at a, a semester exchange program at Air Force Academy. So I kind of got a little bit of a taste of it, but really thankful I went to Annapolis. So, okay. So, so now you decide that you want to go Navy, you decide that you want to go to the Naval Academy, you get into the Naval Academy. What was the plan? Because you told me all these things that you had been interested in, like, you know, becoming a doctor. Um, but now you pivoted towards this whole Navy path. So what was the goal going to the academy? So the goal to going to the academy um, was to hopefully graduate from Navy with a med corps spot um, so that I could hopefully pick up being a doctor um, or, you know, even possibly do something within the medical field. So we knew that um, that, that would mean that I'd most have to uh, most likely have to major in chemistry. Um, and that all quickly changed after freshman year <laughs> at Navy. Uh, and that really pivoted. So um, but that was the going in, going in plan was, you know, Sammy's going to be a doctor and she's going to be a doctor in the Navy and here we go. Yeah. Yeah. So you make it through senior year. Um, at, at any point, did you make a trip to Annapolis? So I did. So we had submitted my acceptance letter to Navy, um, probably the same week that I had got my acceptance letter. And then we found out about candidate visits weekend. Um, so I spent um, a couple of days with some girl, great, great group of girls out of um, 14th Company at Navy and walked onto the campus, walked over to Rick over for the introduction. And I just, I felt like I was home. That's good. Um, so, so how was that? How was that when you showed up then for I-Day? Now you have this little taste of what it's going to be like, but how was that transition? Uh, it was, uh, I day, I think was probably the second scariest day. First day might've been my in-processing at MEPS, um, when I am enlisted, but, um, you know, at, at Navy, we at least had, um, time slots that we were supposed to uh, report for. And I think mine was, you know, at eight 30 in the morning. We, of course, you know, I got into Navy, uh, quite early in the day and mom shoved me in the line and she said, okay, good luck. We might see you at the end of the day, you know, go get them kid. And I was like, I can't, I just, I was just not mentally ready, but here I was thrown in this line of, of you know, kids going into, um, to start in processing. And so I, you know, started two hours ahead of time. Cause we thought, you know, being a little bit early, is, you know, better in the military than, you know, being on time. And, um, it was, I don't want to say traumatic, but it was definitely a huge eye opener of, I am no longer a civilian. I am no longer, you know, Sammy Blea from small town Rifle, Colorado. I am, you know, midshipman, midshipman Blea, and I can no longer, you know, use 
you know, I or me, it's this plebe. And so it was really eye-opening. Um, you know, by the end of the day, when we finally um, took our oath of office and we got our 15 minutes with our families, I looked at my mom and she's, you know, super excited and my dad's smiling and I have tears running down my face and I'm wiping my glasses. And I, I flat out told mom, I said, please do not leave me here. And she just wrapped me in a hug. And I think I probably traumatized them more than I was traumatized myself. Um, mm. But, you know, we, we said our goodbyes and my dad looked at me and he kind of put his, you know, his hands on my face and he said, kid, just remember, they can't stop time. And it's, you're going to be okay. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. Um, and then they shoved me back into formation. And, and that was, you know, that was it. And I think it really hit home for, for my parents when, you know, they were wheels up out of BWI back to DIA that I was not going home with them. I don't look back on I-Day very fondly, but, uh, <laughs> but I, yeah. I guess it could have gone a lot worse. So I'm thankful for that. Well, so, okay. So tell me in your high school, how big was your class? Like, give me some sense of how big this little high school was. So we were a class of about 110. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so it was about, uh, we were three <laughs> towns stacked of, of, you know, kids from, from ranches. And we, we were in city, we're city kids. Uh, we lived in town and whatnot. But very much so, you know, the typical Friday night lights. Everyone's at the football stadium on a Friday night. Um, so we're, we could have been a much, much smaller uh, town, but we are pretty small with about, you know, maybe three or four stoplights growing up. So. Oh, that's pretty small. Yeah. And then that alone is like a shocker when you show up to a school like the Naval Academy with, I mean, you said 30 kids in your company. Um, and, Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that's, that's that alone. And then like coming from the mountains of Colorado to sea level in Annapolis, I mean, so many changes. Um, yeah. Okay. But so before we move on and dive into your time at the Academy, if you had to sum up your time at the Academy in one word, what would it be? You know, I think before deployment, um, I would have said it was survival. Um, but I think because I've had so much time to kind of sit and reflect back on my time at the Academy, I think it's more resiliency. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that means to you. So I think at least for me, resiliency is you're put through your paces or life events happen and maybe it's not, you know, necessarily the most positive of experiences or it's, it's something that's really hard and it's, it's how you kind of rise from that and whether it be failure or, or whatnot, but how you are able to pick yourself back up and rebuild your pieces and how you carry on forward and how you use those experiences um, to make you a stronger person and how you use those lessons learned to maybe not make those same decisions going forward or be able to help mm. somebody um, who may be going through you know, a similar situation, how you can kind of help carry them a little bit. Mm. Well, it sounds like you're thinking of some specific situations that occurred at the academy um, that maybe you overcame and it sounds like there was a lot of growth there. So I definitely want to get into all of that. Sure. Um, but first, let's, let's talk a little bit about that that first year and the transition, did you feel prepared? Because I know you really emphasize like you were like hitting the, the academics pretty hard. You were getting yourself in shape. Uh, did you feel prepared? Um, you know, I didn't. Um, and that became very evident uh, within the first couple days of, um, of our physical fitness routines that we would do in the morning for PEP. Um, you know, coming from sea level or not from sea level, but coming almost from a, mount, uh, a mile high down to sea level, I thought, okay, this will give me a little bit more of an edge. I'm a terrible runner. 
my sister, God bless her, got those jeans. I did not. Um, so that was like, that was truly one of my first eye-opening things of I'm no longer a big fish in a little pond. I am very much so a tiny fish in this great big sea of people. We, you know, you, you think about the type of um, midshipmen that the academy goes after and valedictorians, athletic superstars. And, you know, I thought I was smart. I thought, you know, I have a decent run. I'm not great, but, um, but Pep was really my first introduction of you have a lot to prove to the academy for you to stay here. And you have a lot to prove to yourself that, um, that you might be failing right off the bat, but you're going to have to keep going because you cannot quit. You can't go home sort of situation. Um, Mm. and then, you know, academic year hit, you know, I thought because I had already had my associate's degree before I graduated high school that I had an academic edge. And what I quickly learned was that I didn't, um, because I didn't validate any of the classes. Um, I had to start from square one all over again. So, uh, I struggled terribly in, um, chemistry and math during plebe year and, um, academically and physically of, of constantly trying to make sure that I was meeting standards and, and staying in the best shape that I could, but also, you know, having this, this third new layer that I didn't have in high school of having to know all of this military knowledge every week. And if you didn't know it, you were going to hear about it from the upperclassmen and, even more added pressure that I don't think that I had a great appreciation and understanding for before I had reported to Navy. Um, and I, and I think that maybe if I did, I don't think, um, that first year would have been nearly as, um, I don't want to say, I mean, it was difficult, but kind of shell shocking as it, as it all kind of was. Mm. And yeah. And also just the way you described, you know, your senior year and, and this, this sense of, the whole town is behind you and your family is very close knit. And now you're in an environment where, I mean, how, did you feel supported by the people around you? Um, so I did from back home, but I didn't while I was in my company. Um, I, I think I'm one of those grads that never felt like they, they truly fit in um, with their company mates. And I always kind of felt like I was a bit of an outlier. Um, so I, I constantly felt this sense of being alone and very lonely, even though I was surrounded by, you know, 4,000 people, you know, it was, I didn't feel like I, I had enough of a support system while I was at Navy that it, I felt like I was truly doing a lot of things on my own. Um, which looking back, you know, I, I'm not even sure I'd be friends with myself. (laughs) So I apologize to my company mates for, you know, being a quote unquote self-proclaimed hot mess. Um, but you know, it made it, it made it even more challenging to feel like you were the only one struggling, that you were the only one, you know, who was terribly, terribly homesick and, you know, freshman year, uh, right around Valentine's day, um, I got a phone call from home and it was mom saying that she had stage three triple negative breast cancer, Mm. um, and that they were going to start treatments right away. And they didn't know what the prognosis looked like at that point in time. So, um, so I, I felt like. I don't want to say the cards were stacked against me, um, but it was, it was a lot to handle. And I don't think that I was mentally prepared enough um, to, to be able to work through some of those things or to, you know, be able to say, Hey, I, I think I might need a little bit of help with this. Yeah. That is so much to take in. I mean, so much to take in. And I really, I really, really hope that, you know, as you, as the years have gone by since your time at the Academy, you've been able to, to give yourself some grace and compassion with how you had to survive and what you had to do to get through that. I mean, you're already in some level of survival mode when you're at 
the academy. And then with all these changes, which each one of those changes alone would be stressful. Um, but then, oh my gosh, to throw on the, on top of all of it, your mom getting sick. I mean, that's just, that is a lot to handle, a lot to handle. Yeah, no, it definitely felt like I was, uh, felt like I had the weight of the world, you know, on my shoulders and, um, you know, that, that I have a bit of a stubborn streak. <laughs> mm. I've, I am not going to fail and I will do whatever it's going to take to, to continue to try and at least keep my head above water, if not find a way to succeed. Yeah. Well, well that this all really um, helps illuminate why your word is resilient, uh, resiliency. Um, but, and I want to definitely dive a little bit deeper into some of these, uh, the difficulties you had, but first let's, let's go to some of the highlights of your time at the Academy. What were some of the the high points and the things you enjoyed and were most memorable to you? Um, so I think my absolute favorite is that I met my two best friends um, between our, doing our youngster cruise. Navy thought it was a really great idea to send 15 midshipmen female uh, to a destroyer that had just gotten off of a NATO extended deployment. Um, they were going into the shipyards for some maintenance. So they throw us all in, you know, in this, um, the one birthing with 15, you know, midshipmen girls that just came out of plebe year. Um, and we were forced to get along. Um, you know, I looked at, um, I looked at one of my best friends and she was on the swim team and she's this athletic God, I thought, and, you know, couldn't have been more put together, I thought, or at least that's the way she, um, you know, kind of carried herself. And I kind of looked at her and, you know, we were up early one morning and she was, you know, put in charge of all of us for accountability. And she was kind of barking at us a little bit. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to get along with this girl at all. And then, you know, four weeks later in, you know, in the thick of this cruise, you know, we're out somewhere around the panhandle of Florida. Um, and we're looking at each other, just giggling and laughing. And I think, you know, I kind of looked at both of my best friends and I thought we're going to be best friends and this is, this is going to stick. And sure enough, it did. And um, so I'm really, really thankful for that, that chaotic summer. Mm. Um, but, yeah. you know, there's other things at the Academy, like approach mid, um, the, you know, when I had gone through, uh, we ran a muck in San Diego, um, but I got to fly a helicopter for five seconds. And I, to this day, think that that, you know, experience of flying a helicopter for five seconds is the greatest five seconds of my life. Had such a pilot rush, <laughs> um, had a great time yeah. with that. Uh, we had some really good lectures that came through Navy. Um, um, and just, you know, being, being able to say that, that I graduated from the United States Naval Academy and am a part of something so much bigger than myself and am a part of this massive legacy. It's a really humbling thing, but it's, it's something that I'm really, really proud of that, that I graduated from that small school in Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sounds, it sounds like you definitely uh, found your space in the Naval Academy, you know, I did. Sure. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Even with all the, the, the struggle of feeling connected with the, with the people there, you know, you still found your two best friends, which is incredible. That's incredible. Um, Super fortunate. Super yeah. fortunate for those two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you said you went to the U S air force Academy, right? For an exchange program. I did. I did. So I applied um, junior year um, in the fall timeframe. I actually got picked up for coast guard Academy. Um, and the academic Dean looked at my, um, looked at the transcripts and, and being a math major at that point in time, um, he said, you know, you're not going to graduate on time if we send you to Coast Guard. They just, they don't have enough of the math electives in order to support you graduating. But because you've been 
um, accepted into the exchange program. They said, how does Air Force sound? And I was like, well, it's my ticket home. So absolutely, <laughs> let, me, well, let me jump on board. Um, turned out to be uh, the worst semester um, in the semester that I hit rock bottom. Um, so I don't look back on my time at Air Force um, very fondly. And it's, it's definitely shaped my view of the Air Force unfairly. Um, since then, but, um, but I am really, really grateful for the opportunity to have gone to Colorado to see what the Air Force Academy was truly like, um, and to, to be able to spend some time with my, with my mom, because um, at that point in time, that was the first time the doctors had given us, you know, the six-month um, left-to-live thing, um, so it was, there was a lot of blessings that came out of it, but there was a lot of really bad decisions I had made um, during that semester on, um, on my part that um, have kind of you know, been the semester that was, was, was not kind of like my black hole. I mean, it sounds like you've, you've reflected upon your time at the Air Force Academy and, and you now see it as like there was lessons and positives, but it definitely doesn't sound like it was one of your highlights. So we'll get back to that for sure. sure. So tell me, when did you switch your major and when did that all start shifting for you? Like what you thought you were going to do versus reality of what you ended up doing? Sure. So I started youngster year, so our, um, our, our sophomore year of college as a chemistry major. Um, and organic chemistry started to become um, my most dreaded class. Uh, and so I had the opportunity to do office, or not officer hometown recruiting, but the hometown recruiting um, program that they offer some midshipmen um, in targeted states um, to go home um, a few days before Thanksgiving. So um, at that point in time, uh, mom was um, not doing super great with chemo, um, and I had talked to my professors, and every single one of them said, yep, not a problem. You're doing well academically. This shouldn't be an issue. My company officer honestly couldn't have cared less. Um, but my organic chemistry prof, I was sitting at a, a pretty low C at that point in time, and she, go, she, you know, she had she was very honest with me, and she said, if you go home for Thanksgiving, I will fail you by the end of the, by the, end of the semester. And so I, it was kind of one of those, do I choose my family or do I try and get through this academically? And, and I'm really glad that I chose my family and, you know, went home for Thanksgiving. But I sure enough uh, failed um, organic chemistry uh, of youngster year and sat through an academic board. And um, one of the academic advisors looks at me and he had said, well, do you want to graduate on time? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, all right, then you need to switch your major. He goes, how does math sound? And I was like, sounds great. So um, I quickly became a, a math major and quickly decided to go the pure math route. So um, I ended up studying theoretical math of all things um, from the academy. Um, and then, you know, after youngster year, um, surface warfare, at the time for us um, was really kind of um, was we were we were told the horror stories of SWO and every reason not to go SWO and that it was this dumping ground for anybody that couldn't make it in any other community and I thought well that that sounds terrible I don't I don't want to be a SWO um, so I got the pilot bug really quick and really fell in love with aviation and um, so I put you know pilot down as my first choice um, going into service selection senior year and, and I got it. And then I find myself in my company officer's office about two weeks before commissioning saying, hey, we need you to go back to medical. Um, and we also need your top five choices of an alternate service selection um, because they've, they flagged your record. Because um, I had gotten sick at Air Force Academy and had my gallbladder removed. And we we're also one of the classes that were coming off that backlog of pilots down in Pensacola. So they were looking for any way to, to reduce the number of incoming pilots as much as possible. And 
Um, so I lost my flight contract uh, the, wish, the Wednesday of commissioning week and sat in the senior naval aviator on the yard's office. He threw a box of tissues at me, said, you're never going to fly. Don't even bother putting in an application because it's, we've already flagged your record. He said, welcome to SWO. Now get out of my office. And I mm. was, you know, I was absolutely devastated getting kicked out of an 06's office, sent over to Loose Hall to talk to some of the surface warfare officers over there. And and they had said, well, you know, you, you did well in math. How does an IP option sound? And I said, well, I don't know what IP is. And they said, well, we're IPs. We don't either. But, you know, at least you have an option and a way out of SWO. So um, here I was um, three days out from commissioning, four days out from getting married. And my whole world had collapsed on me. Um, and I was going into the service selection that um, I dreaded the most. What is an IP? What does IP stand for? So it stands for information professionals. So we do um, cybersecurity, network defense, um, a little bit, and then we do a lot of satellite communication. Okay. All right. So, so many things. I have so many questions and we need to totally back up, <laughs> like between your gallbladder, your mom, the married thing four days later. Okay. There's so many pieces I need to like put together here for listeners and myself. Okay. <laughs> so, so back up. So, sure. so Tell me, let, let's dive into some of the lowlights at the Academy, because what I'm sensing is there, I mean, this was a really transformative four years for you. Talk to me about some of these major things that happened to you uh, or happened during your time at the Academy. Sure. So between the um, never feeling like I quite belonged with my company, um, mom's diagnosis, um, I felt incredibly guilty over um, because it was already at stage three. I knew enough about cancer at that point in time that I knew that it had um, had probably been there for a lot longer. But I also think that mom also didn't go to the doctor because she was so focused on getting uh, my sister and myself um, through community college and getting my application submitted on time. And I think my mom, I feel like you could have looked her up in the dictionary under selfless and you would have seen her picture. Um, so when she was diagnosed, I felt horrible because I thought, well, if I hadn't have gone to Navy, then she would have gone to the doctor. Maybe they would have found it sooner and she wouldn't be at stage three. And, mm. um, you know, she, her doctors um, at the time we thought were really good on the Western Slope um, in Colorado. And so she's going through, you know, the very traditional standardized chemo regimen for breast cancer. And um, it, wasn't, it wasn't working. And so by the time I got to junior year, um, when the exchange program popped up as an opportunity, I thought, okay, I need to get home. I just need, I need to get home um, because I, I, I'm running out of time. And um, it was about that time that the doctors um, in Western Colorado had said, you have six months to live. We're going to send you home to die. Um, and my, my parents being true fighters, they said, we're not going to accept that. So they started going over to the University of Colorado and found this phenomenal oncology team um, that bought her, you know, a good, um, I want to say seven years of time, um, that, that we didn't expect. So, um, wow. so mom's cancer diagnosis was absolutely rat. Well, it radically changed, um, how I looked at the Academy and I just, I switched to survival mode. Um, I just wanted to get through. I wanted to quit junior year before we signed our commitment papers because I just wanted to go home. I wanted to help. I wanted to give my sister a fighting chance at having some semblance of a normal high school experience instead of, you know, showing up for class in the morning and then having to drive an hour to take mom to chemo. Um, I wanted to be able to, to cook dinner or, or help out in any way. But here I was, you know, over a thousand miles away, you know, going, going to this incredible school. Um, and I felt really guilty about that. 
so I was really excited going into senior year that I hadn't gone to a funeral yet for my mom, but it was always in the back of my mind. I, you know, she, she selflessly kind of gave up her help um, to try and help get me through. And, you know, she was a rock star throughout the, throughout school. You know, she would have a really bad day and I wouldn't have known about it because she'd still call me in the evenings and, you know, she'd be this, this bright, happy, you know, conversation, just trying to keep me, you know, afloat and kind of keep my fears at bay and um, just, just not let me know how, how bad things actually were. So, mm. um, so that was really, um, that was really challenging all four years. Um, you know, wanting to quit, you know, while I was at Air Force Academy, I, I had, you know, dated the guy junior year was really verbally abusive. So I started making some really poor life decisions, um, while I was at Air Force Academy and, um, had one really, really bad night that, you know, I thought was just a really bad one night stand. And, you know, now that I've um, been able to kind of look back on it um, and reflect on it a bit, I don't think that it was necessarily just a one night stand. I, I think that it, it falls into a sexual assault gray area, um, you know, with the more of the training that um, the Navy's exposed us to of telling us, you know, this is what the definition of these things actually mean. So, mm-hmm. um, so that was a, um, that was a tough thing to, to deal with and still didn't tell soul. I don't think I even told my best friends until um, well after senior year of college, um, what had happened. Um, and then, you know, falling, falling in love with classmate of mine, you know, right before senior year and quickly becoming all about, you know, getting him through and, you know, trying to support him and help make his dream come true. Um, trying to plan a wedding, um, and you know, that last couple of months at the, at the Academy, um, was, was pretty difficult enough. Um, and you know, losing, losing my, uh, my pilot contract, uh, the week before, you know, the week of, you know, your, this week that's supposed to be monumentous and, and joyful and, um, you know, and, and being, I don't want to say welcomed into the fleet, but thrown into the fleet and with assignments that, um, that were at the very, very bottom of my list and geographically separated from my well, now ex-husband um, right off the get-go. So those were, um, those were kind of really the low points um, at the academy for me, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, that is a lot. And I, I can just tell that you, you must have just been in total survival mode to get through that because you did get through it. So, you know, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. sure how, but I definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, resiliency. I mean, that's for sure. That's a perfect word. I mean, you know, you, you had a goal, you had a mission, you wanted to get it done. I mean, you're perfectly capable. It's just, you had a lot, a lot of things thrown at you all at once, all at once. And, you know, you're, now I hope you look back as well and realize like how young you really were going through all of that too. You know, we think we're old when we're going through it, but we're really not. We're kids. <laughs> you know? oh, absolutely. Did, now, did you say you also lost a gallbladder somewhere in there or had surgery? I did. So at Air Force Academy, um, I had gotten really bad stomach pains um, in the later part of the semester. And um, the surgeons at Air Force Academy were actually getting ready to deploy. So they sent me out in town and... Um, you know, one of the, my squadron mates dropped me off at the, at the ER and said, okay, let us know how it goes. And I was like, okay, here we go. Um, so they admitted me to, um, to the hospital and um, kept me in observation for a week to try and figure out what was going on with me. Um, and they, so they decided to pull my, um, gallbladder out. Um, and so I ended up with some residual, um, irritable bowel syndrome type symptoms, Mm -hmm. um, following surgery. 
And that was enough for Big Navy to say, you know what, it's going to be a problem um, for you to fly, but we think you can handle it on a ship. So, uh, yeah. so welcome to SWO. It's so, it's, uh, okay. I mean, I really, I really do hope, you know, you're saying all this stuff very, um, like you've processed it, you know, to some degree and you're able to just speak about it now, but man, oh man, like even just one piece of this, it really would be a lot, you know, like your mom being sick while at an academy and then, you know, this debacle with the gallbladder, I mean, that in itself is very, that in itself would pause a lot of people, like hold people, you know, cause that's like your physical body. And, um, and then the, the assault. And I mean, it's just, it's so much. And I, I, I really do hope you realize now, like how strong you are having gotten through all of that, you know? You know, I, I, I certainly don't have it all figured out. And there's, there's some things sometimes that'll um, hit me way out of the blue um, that I just kind of take a moment and, and let myself work through it instead of bottling it up, you know, kind of like we were taught at the academy of you just, you don't, you have to compartmentalize things. And but they never tell you, well, you have to kind of go back and start, you know, unpacking some of that. Um, I was just, I spent a lot of time packing things away in little boxes um, and trying to shove them deep in the confines of my brain. I'm just not wanting to deal with them because I'm, I'm not a person that enjoys, you know, a good, ugly cry. But um, I know how, um, how good that actually is for your soul and um, have really found a lot of um, really, a really good group of people um, that, that I can talk to about, you know, some of these things with, or somebody that can relate to it. Um, but I definitely have my bad day still. Um, but I've been, I've been able to, to, you know, be able to wake up every morning and think, okay, I've gone through, I've gone through a little bit. Um, there's people who have it worse, worse off. Um, it could have, could have been a lot worse, but it also could have been better. And how do I make today better than yesterday? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. It truly is a lifelong journey you know, to heal oh, some of these things and unpack these things. So, you know, I'm sure like things will can, and, and as you grow, you see things differently, you know, and you process things differently. But to your point, like uh, the one thing we don't want to do, right, is just keep packing it down because that's not going to heal anything. So no. processing, getting it out in any capacity is, it's always going to help a little bit, you know, so absolutely glad you're doing that for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all right. So, so let's go into a little bit about your, your life post-graduation. So sure. you had to pivot mentally to swell. Um, you were planning for a, a wedding. Um, so, so did you, was your first choice based on like co-location? How did that work? So because I had grown up on the West Coast, um, I had told my, um, my ex-husband, I said, I need to make it out to San Diego. Um, he had sort of selected Marine Pilot. Um, so we knew that he was going to be bouncing between Florida and, um, and Texas and that um, our first opportunity to be co-located probably wasn't going to happen until after my first tour. Um, but I, I figured, you know, one of my best friends was going to San Diego. I was familiar with the, the West Coast um, and, and I figured it was closer for me. It was closer to family. Um, and, and that caused a bit of a rift, um, right off the bat that I didn't want to go to Norfolk, but, you know, as a mid, we were told, you know, Norfolk was this terrible place and why would anybody want to go there? And this was, you know, the worst place ever. And, um, so I put Norfolk at the bottom of, um, it, I don't even think I put it on my list in all honesty. I put San Diego, San Diego, San Diego with some various platforms. And then I put Everett, Washington, cause I figured it was still on the West coast. It's gotta be better than going to Norfolk. Um, didn't even consider Florida. Um, 
and I, and I wound up on a frigate out of, out of Everett, Washington, right off the bat. Um, so my ex-husband and I uh, could not have been farther apart unless they had sent me overseas, um, which mm. turned out to be a blessing because um, we ended up divorced a year and a half later. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I definitely, it was a, it was huge change to go from, uh, from Annapolis, Maryland to trekking across the country, picking my dad up in Colorado to make the rest of the drive you know, up to Everett, Washington, and then, you know, play the waiting game a little bit to, to meet the ship out on deployment. So I deployed right away, um, which in and of itself is an even, you know, bigger, you know, bigger thing right after graduation too, that I was not prepared for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at this time, so your, your mom's health was doing what at this time? So she was pretty, um, I don't want to say stable, but uh, she was doing a little bit better. Um, with some of the chemo trials, um, she had also started a pretty aggressive regimen of radiation therapy um, that completely destroyed her esophagus. Um, so she, her, her diet radically changed. Um, so she was, she was still trekking along and, uh, you know, her, I, say, I guess her cancer mantra was always choose to be a Tigger and not an Eeyore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've always carried around a Tigger keychain on, you know, on my key <laughs> ring for my car as, as a good yeah. reminder of that. But she, um, she was hanging in there. Um, I think there's, there's probably a lot of really, really rough days that I just, I would never have known about because she wasn't going to tell me. And unless my sister was going to rat her out, I would never have known, but she was, she was still back at home in Colorado cheering me on and, um, you know, listening to me sob on the phone, uh, all of first tour, because that was really rough and getting through this divorce um, all by myself. Um, she was, she was still rallying back at home. So I was really, really thankful that, um, that she was still, um, she was still kicking at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So now you're, you're telling me, you're alluding to the fact that this first tour was rough and, and it sounds like there was some turmoil with your, with your now ex-husband. So, so explain a little bit about how, like how things started to unfold with your unfold with your career and how, you know, your ex-husband played into that and all the next steps that happened to where you are today. Sure. So first tour, I was um, on the frigate. Uh, there's a very, very small population of females um, and it's only the officers. Um, so I showed up and I met my roommate with the only other female on this crew of, you know, about 260 men um, in, a, in a decently small sized boardroom. I think there were less than, less than 20 of us, but um, met them in, in the Philippines. It was my first time out of the country. I flew out with five of our sailors, um, had never met these men in my life, but I was told, you know, hey, make sure they get there and make sure they have their orders and their passports. And I said, okay, this is, this is a lot to handle. I can barely, you know, make sure that I even have my own passport and orders and things like that. So uh, a real rude awakening to, hey, this is the whole world kid and you're now an officer in charge. So good luck. Um, they, we got to, um, the Philippines and, uh, met the ship, um, out, out in port and reported on board. And, um, they, you know, met my department head and I thought, you know, he seems welcoming enough. And, um, they threw this qualifications book at me and said, try and get qualified the quickest that you can. And Oh, by the way, you've got, uh, you've got watch in about 15 minutes. I thought, I don't even like what watch are we talking about? Um, we're in port. Um, so it was, it was a, it was pretty, um, hit the ground running. And I knew that I had almost a vertical learning curve, um, to get after, uh, the deployment. Um, I was in charge of, I was the electronic warfare officer. Um, so for those that 
know anything about that. Um, our equipment tends to break quite a bit. So um, any of the port stops that we made, and we made a lot of them during that Westpac deployment, um, I was stuck in port trying to get parts on board to try and fix the system to bring us back up and make sure that we could execute our small part of the mission. And but also found myself in this world um, incredibly male-dominated and incredibly unforgiving um, in an environment where I would have to sneak to the gym in the helo hangar um, because if I wasn't on the bridge or I didn't have my nose in my qualification book, you know, why, you know, why would I be doing anything else? How dare me um, try and work on anything else other than to try and qualify? Um, you know, I had a senior chief that told me, if you don't have a pin, you don't get an opinion. So you better get it qualified quick. So um, there were about three of us, three or four of us at the time, all trying to get qualified um, officer of the deck um, pretty quickly. Um, and, we, and we, you know, we had a decent wardroom, um, but it, it's really, it's unique experience to be um, one of two female on a, on a crew of that size on a ship. You know, we're one of the smallest platforms in, in the Navy at that point in time. Um, but, you know, having to take a shower in the decontamination shower because you can't use the male head because that's their head. It's not yours. And having to share, mm. you know, a toilet closet um, with a bunch of guys. Um, so mm. it was, you know, it was a it was a tough thing. And, you know, every time I, I tried to take leave to, to try and go and see my ex-husband, my department head denied it every time. But nobody had ever told me that that shit still goes all the way up to the CO. It's up to the CO to approve it. It's not your department head. Um, so I felt like I, I could never leave. Um, mm. The ship failed numerous maintenance inspections. And, um, of course, operations department uh, was made to feel like it was all our fault. So we were working really, really long hours. Um, my ex-husband was, um, was trying to battle through flight school and had put so much pressure on himself um, and had, had put such an emphasis on being this, this marine pilot um, that nothing else mattered. Um, and so things to, um, things were already pretty bad. Um, there were a lot of red flags that I chose to ignore. Um, I would have, I wish I would have listened to the rabbi um, that I saw senior year when he said run. Um, I didn't, I, I thought, you know, after graduation, maybe we'll be okay. Things will be fixed and, um, it won't, you know, it'll, it'll change things for the better. And, oh, was I naive? Um, it just, mm. things continue to get, um, much, much worse. And, so I found myself on the phone with my ex-husband rehashing out the same things that we had argued about before and, and never finding a place to resolve and, and found that, you know, I would get off work at six o'clock and I'd be on the phone until nine o'clock at night and I hadn't have eaten dinner yet. I hadn't gone to the gym yet. Um, the amount of wine that I was picking up from the grocery store started to increase and started to recognize that this could quickly become a problem if I didn't start, you know, making some better life, um, life decisions and taking better care of myself because I wasn't. Um, and then, you know, things had, had gotten significantly bad until the summer of 2012. Um, we had gone out for an underway. Um, I think we, that was our security escort from Panama and our auxiliaries officer. I just got married and, um, he comes into the wardroom when we were um, within cell phone range, um, within the Puget Sound area. And I remember him being so excited to be able to talk to his new wife on the phone. And, and I looked at my phone and I thought, I dread turning this thing on because I know it's just. I'm, I'm going to be in trouble for something. And, um, and I, and I didn't, I didn't call my, my ex-husband until well into the evening when, you know, we had, we had gotten into port and, um, was really thankful that I had to, had to wait for shore power and things to be connected just to kind of delay and have a, a legitimate reason why I couldn't call him. And I finally woke up, um, from another underway that later that summer and realized I didn't want to be the mother of his children and made the tough call to, um, 
to go and start the divorce process on my own. And I was also on the verge of qualifying for surface warfare when the whole ship didn't think that I was going to do it um, because things had, you know, been really a tough go um, and a bit, bit of a struggle to try and prove to my department head that I wasn't this crap ensign, that I, I had value and that I contributed positively to the ship. So um, I ended up um, getting my SWO pin on the, I think it was around the 7th of December of 2012. And um, had a half-day liberty chit um, for my department head to go get divorced on the 12th of December of 2012. Mm. So uh, the 2012 was not super, super great for me, but you know I was able to go home for Christmas, thankfully, um, with a new set of name tapes and able to change my name back to my maiden name and, and kind of felt like I could you know, take a little bit of a breath. Um, but I really, I really struggled a lot with being able to look myself in the mirror and recognize the person that was looking back at me because I had no idea who that was anymore. It was a true moment of you have to figure out what makes you happy and what makes you, you, and it is okay to be you. You don't have to be somebody that, that somebody else wanted you to be. Um, I hid the divorce because I was so ashamed that I failed at something and my ex-husband was extremely well known within our class. Um, so I was really embarrassed that I was the one that, that chose to leave him, um, and, and did this whole divorce thing by myself in a state, um, that was very far removed from my own family. Mm -hmm. I certainly don't recognize who that person was back then. Cause I'm quite different now. So. Yeah. I definitely want to get into that. Cause I feel like, um, you know, there were so many things that happened from the moment you got to the Academy until that moment of divorce that. I'm just wondering, like, you know, you were in survival mode that whole time. And like, I'm wondering if that was that moment when like everything just kind of stopped for a second and you had to really take a hard look at your life and be like, okay, what am I doing? <laughs> you know? No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the, it took, um, it took almost all of 2013 um, for me to be able to to not just get ready in the morning, but to truly stand and look at myself um, for longer than 10 seconds and not nitpick um, yeah. at myself and to, to, to be okay with, with who I was. But it definitely, time, time seemed to slow down quite a bit, um, which I'm really, really grateful for. Um, but I think it also had a lot to do with the fact that I was no longer in this qualification process anymore, but then starting to figure out, okay, well, what's my next step? What's yeah. the next tour supposed to look like? And, and knowing that, you know, as a couple of years away from being able to execute that, that option to get out of SWO if, if, you know, I didn't want to be a SWO anymore. So there were still, you know, a lot of tough life decisions coming up on that horizon, but, um, but, but time did kind of pause for me for a little bit and, mm -hmm. um, and I'm really thankful for that. So, okay. Well, so then how has your life pivoted since then and where are you today? So I finished, um, well, I started and I finished my time on littoral combat ship, uh, crew 204. Um, we embarked USS Coronado, had a phenomenal crew. We had a couple bad apples, um, but overall, um, had a phenomenal wardroom. We rallied behind each other. It was truly the let's get through integrated operations test and evaluation so that the ship could um, get the check in the box to be a deployable asset for the Navy. Loved my time in San Diego. Um, I got to live with one of my best friends, which was phenomenal. Um, I'm, I'm, and my sister and brother-in-law moved out to California. Mom was doing really well um, health-wise at that point in time. And so I kind of felt like I, I hit my stride again um, mm. and, and was really had found a sense of happiness um, while I was out in San Diego. Um, and around that time, it was a couple of months before I um, put on lieutenant, 
um, that the IP detailers started calling and saying, all right, are you going to execute your option or not? And we need to start talking about follow-on orders. And um, so I decided um, that I wanted to leave slow and that I wanted to execute this option because why not? Um, and, you know, I was offered um, to, to, you know, Nick Tam's Lant or Nick Tam's Pack um, as, you know, this uh, huge check in the box for the IP community and told, you know, this was the smartest move I could make for my career, um, which, which, where did I want to go? So I decided to go to Norfolk. Um, and I chose Norfolk because I knew it was the best possibility of being able to get back to Colorado um, just in case something happened with mom. I made the transition, um, executed the option, um, left my time um, as in the surface warfare community with a smile on my face, um, and then stepped into this world of IP. And boy, did my uh, world get a bit rocked um, at Nick Tam's land. Um, I reported in 16. Um, and mom's help started to take um, a bit of a nosedive again and um, got really, really brave and had asked my chain of command if I could go home to Colorado for a few months for a no-cost TDY. Um, I knew it was a long shot. Um, I knew that it was going to be an unprecedented thing. The CEO was really uh, resistant to it um, when I asked, and um, I really had a really good department head that went to bat for me. Very, very fortunate um, to be able to go out and hang out with um, the Rocky Mountain Navy um, in Denver. Right before Thanksgiving, uh, pulled us into the patient care room. Her oncologist looked at us and, and we just knew, um, we knew that that was it. Mm. Um, and that that was going to be the last uh, holidays that we were going to get. And um, so I called my department head, called my chain of command. They said, all right, we'll get something figured out. We're going to find you some more time. Um, my department head um, is a rock star IP. Um, she was able to um, find me a spot at Space 200 down in Colorado Springs um, with the Air Force um, to go to school down there to buy me some more time, um, but also exposed me to, the, to more of the SATCOM uh, side of uh, our world, which I absolutely fell in love with. Um, got through um, Thanksgiving and Christmas with mom um, and our you know, family and um, you know, ended up getting my information warfare qualification, um, got that while I was out um, with the Rocky Mountain Navy um, out at Nyack, Colorado. So um, there were a lot of parts and pieces um, to my first, first, uh, couple, um, first couple months at Nick Tam's Lant and um, got back. Uh, the command was really good about if you're on the watch floor, leaving you alone on your days off. So I was flying home um, every other week, it seemed like, um, to go spend some more time with my mom. And um, we unfortunately lost her in May of 2017 mm -hmm. um, and had to, had to make that tough call in the middle of the afternoon to tell my department head, I need to go home. Mom's, mom's got days left. Um, they had put her in hospice. So had another rock star IP department head um, who said, all right, whatever time you need, we'll send you home um, for, for some leave. Um, they said, but, but you have to come back and you have to qualify. I said, all right. So, um, went, went home for, for a few weeks. Um, so it was, it was, it was really challenging. It was really challenging mm. to try and get qualified, um, at Nick Tam's Lant as a um, joint force telecommunications operations center watch officer. Um, but that mouthful, I <laughs> picked up an IA to go to national, um, NSDC national space defense center, um, out at Shriver. Um, met some rock star uh, Army space guys. <laughs> I never thought in a million years I'd ever get along with the Army because um, it's so beaten into us of go Navy, beat Army. Um, really great group of Army guys. Um, had a really hard time um, with the Air Force just because of the my you know predisposition to to not like the Air Force because of my really terrible experience at Air Force Academy. Um, 
got qualified, you know, I was out there kind of tried to sprinkle as much Navy salt as I could in this very joint environment. Um, and was able to, to finish out my tour at Nick Tams, um, which still proved to be pretty tough. Um, and was in between orders and was looking at going to grad school. Um, timing was kind of crap um, when I called the detailer. So um, he had said, well, I need to do something with you for a year. He goes, how does Baghdad sound? And I said, okay, uh, do you have anything else? <laughs> and he said, nope, how does Baghdad sound? And I said, well, what am I going to do? He said, you don't, you'll be a C4 ISR advisor. And I said, all right, uh, let me go home, think about it. And he goes, okay, well, the author only stands for 24 hours. And uh, <laughs> it was a whole one of those kind of like nightmare detailer experiences. Um, and made the, made the call to, to pick up the IA to, or the global support assignment, um, kind of interchangeable with IA, um, to, to go to Baghdad for a year. So, um, that's how I found myself, um, in Baghdad, mm. Iraq for, for 12 months that turned into an extended 13. So, um, um, I gave up my position at uh, Naval Postgrad School, um, to go be an instructor over at Information Warfare Command here in Damneck. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's how I've gotten to where I am. Yeah, well, it's been a crazy journey for sure. Um, but tell me, like now with given everything you just shared and all the twists and turns and pivots and ups and downs, how do you feel about the fact that you went to the Naval Academy? I'm incredibly proud. Um, it's 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 taken a little a little bit of time um, to be able to get to that point, but um, I look back on the things that I've been able to accomplish and have realized very quickly that my nine years are only possible um, because of those four years I spent at Annapolis and, um, and that I don't regret going to Navy um, at all. It, it was the catalyst to get me to who I am today. And I, you know, there's a lot of things that I wish I could have done differently at the Academy. I really wish I would have enjoyed some things um, a little bit more um, and would have relaxed a little bit. Um, mm. It's either, easier said than done, but I, I don't regret it and I, and I miss it. I really miss, I miss, you know, that small school in Maryland. Mm. Yeah. What's that saying? You know, academies are rough to go through, but great to be from something like that. Yep. You know? Something like that. Exactly. <laughs> like Absolutely. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, uh, Sammy, what's next for you then? Um, so next I have, um, I just bought uh, my first house. Um, sight unseen, um, which is a little difficult to do from 6,000 miles away. Thank yeah. you. Um, so I'm trying to get, um, you know, figure out what life looks like now that I'm post Baghdad and what, you know, the opportunity and that I get to start over kind of from, from scratch. Um, so I'll finish out my um, hopefully two to three years um, at IWTC as an instructor. Um, I'm going to try really hard to get through the rest of the prerequisites. Uh, for a nursing program and hopefully get into University of Virginia or University of Colorado um, to try and go after nurse practitioner in pediatric oncology. Um, if, if not, then, um, then to go into nursing um, and hopefully mm. be able to, um, to help kiddos forget maybe for five minutes that they're sick um, mm. and give them a little bit of a, a, a fighting chance um, any way that I possibly can, but um, would very much so like to stay reserves and keep my foot in the door. Um, I am a star spangled banner. <laughs> I think I bleed red, white, and blue. Yeah. Um, I'm not ready to take off the uniform quite yet. Um, so I, I think the reserves are going to be a great, um, a great opportunity to continue to serve, um, and to give back and hopefully, um, be able to, to make the road a little bit, um, 
little bit smoother, uh, maybe for some of those that are coming up in the Navy and, and, and still, you know, leave my mark, hopefully in a, in a positive way. I love it. It all comes full circle. See, you it sure knew, does. <laughs> you, you knew yourself, you got back to yourself. You wanted to be a doc, a doc when you were, you know, getting ready to go to college and, and here you are coming full circle with it all. So I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we go, Sammy, can you, uh, do you have any parting words for listeners, perhaps a key message to your fellow service Academy sisters? Um, I think I would tell um, somebody it's okay to be proud of what we've been able to accomplish. Um, and when you are struggling, um, give yourself a bit of grace and give your, give yourself the, the room to, to experience the emotions and the feelings that, that you're going through and that, um, that there is a time and place and, and things, you know, happen for a reason. And we might not necessarily know what those reasons um, necessarily are while we're going through these trying times, but, but there is always a light at the end of the tunnel and try to find a bit of, a bit of joy in what it is that you're doing and that, you know, it, things will work out the way they're, they're supposed to, and you're going to be okay. You're absolutely going to be okay. Cause I'm certainly cheering you on. I love that. Um, all right. Well, Sammy, what's one random fun fact before we go, just to lighten the mood a little? Sure. Um, so um, when I was looking for houses, one of the first things I told my realtor was I needed a three-bedroom, um, two-and-a-half bath. And she thought, well, that's awfully specific. You know, it's just you. And I said, well, I need a craft room because I quilt. And I need a place to store a very well-curated, um, extensive collection of batik fabrics. So, um, so I quilt. And um, it's something I shared with my mom. She always said that quilts were a hug from her. Um, so Aww, I, love I, that. um, I try to try to make quilts as a, as a hug for me and I get to use her fabric, um, that she left behind. So there's a little bit of my mom left in everything that I do. Uh, that's awesome. And it sounds like you have some exciting things on the horizon with this new house and whole new phase of life. So, uh, so it's very exciting and I'm, I'm excited to see what you do next. Before we go, can you just let people know where they can reach you? Sure. So I am on Facebook um, as Sammy Blea. Um, it's spelled B as in boy, L-E-A. Um, so just shoot me a message and, and I'll get back to you. Awesome. And I'll put that link in the show notes um, so that people can reach out to you if they want to hear more. Perfect. All right. Thank you very much for this opportunity and thanks for, for giving us a platform to, to share. I think for, um, for some people, it's just a matter of being heard and you're absolutely um, helping to, to give us a voice. So thank you for doing this and thank you for your time. Uh, thanks, Sammy. It was great to talk to you. Thanks, you as well. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit the Service Academy Sorority website to see photos, comprehensive show notes, and contact information for each guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. In addition, if you enjoy what you heard here today, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.